Today on the Kewl Podcast, Josh Tesler comes on to talk some Leafs. New coaches around the NHL. Habs, Devils, and Wings are all playing poorly right now. And only one is supposed to be. Mitch Marner close to returning and Corey Crawford changes gear mid-game. All that and more on this episode of the Kewl Podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Tyler Kuehl, your insider to the insiders of all things hockey. Welcome you back to another episode of the Kuehl Podcast. Folks, we have ourselves another loaded show of hashtag TKP, and that's just how you can get involved in the conversation with today's episode. Use that hashtag TKP, hashtag the Kuehl Podcast, tweet us at the Kuehl Podcast, and tell us what you think of today's episode, because we have a lot to talk about here a lot more controversial stuff to talk about as well. We got more injury news, some players coming back, goaltenders being sent down, and yes, Michael Babcock. But to start things off, though, we're going to get right into it. We're going to bring in our guest today. He is a QMJHL and U.S. scout for at FC Hockey, better known as Future Considerations Hockey, Sabres scout for Dobbert Prospects, and prospect contributor for Bruins Diehards. He is a huge Seinfeld fan, and like us here on the Keel Podcast, a Leafs fan, welcoming Josh Tesler onto the show. Josh, how are you doing today, sir? Good, good. And uh, sir, good, good. And how about yourself, Tyler? I'm doing well. You know, the Leafs are playing okay. I had a pretty solid Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Good, man. Good, good. Yeah, man. Got loaded up on turkey, did you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, man. But let's get into it here. Obviously, we're trying to get this before the Leafs start up here. It's just a little after 6.30 here on December the 3rd. They got the Flyers tonight. Let's talk about it, Josh. The The Leafs have started out, well, I wouldn't say started out. They started out horribly, I, I guess you can say, with expectations. Babcock gets fired, and then Sheldon Keefe comes in and Seems to just kind of be that breath of fresh air for the Leafs. They're currently 4-1 and one under him with the lone loss coming this past Friday against Buffalo. What are your first impressions of Keefe since he's come on board with the Leafs? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of Sheldon Keefe coming on board, I've definitely noticed how much he's trying to emulate the Toronto Marlies uh, sequences and strategies that he used to run. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, and they've definitely been paying off um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'm definitely a little bit worried that at, I mean, that at some point, I mean, teams will begin to, 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 to figure those out, you know, I mean, as you know, I mean, he's definitely been doing a good job, you know, I mean, he's made it so that he is able to, um, sorry, work with every single line, um, and give, you know, you know, so, you know, and give some of the youngsters that he had within the Marlies, um, some, uh, Sorry, uh, sorry. Some more playing time, and um, you know, I mean, like, and I've also definitely liked the usage of Matthews's numbers going back up. Um, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and I definitely think that he's been doing a great job. And you know, I mean, like, and I also enjoyed, um, you know, I mean, like over like the past couple of games, uh, Tyson Berry on the power play. Um, you know, I mean, and that you know, I mean, that has definitely been uh, waking up the power play unit a bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, all, you know, so I mean, all is good so far with Sheldon Keefe, um, you know, I, you know, and, you know, and I wouldn't harp on that one loss that, that much, 
Um, you know, I mean, a, a, you know, I mean, anytime that you have your backup goaltender in, you know, I, you know, I mean, there, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a chance, you know, of, um, you know, I mean, of things not going well. Um, and, you know, I mean, and Michael Hutchison has been having a bad year, you know, so I really wouldn't put, you know, that, you know, you know, that one loss on Friday night to Buffalo, um, you know, on Sheldon Keefe, you know, it definitely became, you know, evident that there is a backup goaltender issue. But other than that, it's going really well. And it just seems like he is that breath of fresh air because you see him, they're practicing, they have music during practice and he's working with them. It seems like the players are responding. And like you said, Tyson Berry was one of those players. He was heavily scrutinized by, of course, fans and media because he wasn't producing under Babcock and there were many to believe that he was limited in the way he played. And we're starting to see what made Tyson Berry one of the top offensive defensemen over in Colorado so far with Keith coming in. I mean, scoring in was it, three straight games. He has been on fire since Keith's taken over. What has really made his confidence grow? Is it the freedom that Keith is allowing him? Is it because he's, you know, he finally got that first goal at the monkey off his back? What is making Tyson Berry tick for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, you know, I mean, I definitely think that it is, you know, the power play boost in terms of minutes and, you know, I mean, like in, in terms of playing on like the, the top line, you know, I mean, it is definitely clear that there is a level of faith that Charlie Keefe has in him, um, you know, and granted with Mike Babcock, I mean, that, I mean, that level of faith wasn't, you know, that level of faith wasn't there. And while, um, you know, and while sometimes, you know, it is hard to make a direct correlation in terms of, you know, whether a coach is, uh, sorry, whether a coach has faith in a player and, um, you know, I mean, like, and how that's going to impact the player's overall performance. But, you know, I mean, I definitely think that in this case it does, um, you know, um, you know, I mean, like, as soon as players get more and more minutes, you know, there's definitely a built-up desire uh, to, um, you know, to play to the coach's expectation. I'm sure there is a little bit of, you know, uh, fear in Barry that, I mean, you know, that if he doesn't, you know, that if, uh, sorry, you know, that if Barry doesn't play to the expectations, you know, sorry, you know, that he could be dealt once more, um, you know, and I, you know, and I definitely know that players do not like being dealt frequently. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I think it's a combination of faith and then fear at the same time. Well, I mean, he wants to make that $8 million that he was believed to have made coming into the Leafs. And so far, he's starting to look like that player once again. But another guy that kind of has a little bit of a similarity to Barry, and by that I mean how he played back under Keith with the Marlies, a guy that was a big part of that 2018 Calder Cup team was Justin Hall. And a guy that got the Frank Corrado, the Justin Levo treatment last season, didn't play a whole lot. And when he played, he didn't look good at all because, well, he didn't play at all. How has do you, how do you think with Keith stepping in behind the bench that Keith will probably, he knows what Hall has. How do you think Hall will respond to having Keith and the confidence and Keith has in him? Now with moving forward throughout this season with the extended playing time and free reign, I guess, if you will. Sure, sure. I mean, even, you know, I mean, in terms of whole, I mean, even under Babcock, um, there, you know, I mean, there were definitely points, you know, during the season to date where, you know, I, you know, I mean, that he was playing well, um, you know, I mean, Hall, um, 
you know, I sorry, you know, I mean, Hall has definitely looked good, especially on the, the, the penalty kill. Um, and, um, you know, and, you know, I mean, like, you go back to Sheldon Keefe, I mean, you know, I mean, with Hall bouncing in and out of the lineup with Babcock behind the bench, um, you know, the familiarity level that Mike Babcock had with Hull um, doesn't, you know, I, you know, I mean, certainly doesn't uh, match the familiarity that Sheldon Keefe had with him, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and in terms of deployment for the, uh, sorry, for Hull with the Marlies, um, you know, I mean, it certainly went well and Sheldon Keefe knows exactly how to deploy Hull. Um, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and so factoring in that, um, you know, I mean, Hull, you know, uh, so, you know, I mean, Hull can certainly benefit from Sheldon Keefe, as well as the other players that have previously played for the uh, Marlies, like Pierre Engvall, sorry, who has definitely looked good so far in terms of being called up, but he, uh, or I believe yesterday he was sent back down. You know, I mean, Sheldon Keith definitely has a strong familiarity with a lot of these players. You know, I mean, and that's only going to benefit them. You know, I mean, yeah, so, you know, in terms of how they are being used and whether or not Sheldon Keith will play them in more critical elements. I mean, with Sheldon Keith coming on board, um, you know, I mean, it definitely bodes well for a, I mean, for a lot of the players that were playing under Sheldon Keith with the sorry uh, sorry with the marlies um and one of, and funny one of the things is when i talked with todd crocker because i was able to see Perry Engvall when they came to grand rapids uh, a month ago now he you could tell that he looked just ready and crocker agreed with me when i was, when I was talking to him about him and so when he got called up and of course this was when keith was still with the marlies this was before babcock had been let go you could tell that he was comfortable making it to the nhl and it's almost why it stinks that Marner is coming back into the lineup simply because of the fact that you knew you're going to have to lose a guy like Pierre Engvall. But it's good to know that you have players down in the Marlies that can still jump right into the NHL, jump in the lineup and make an immediate impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, first of all, I definitely want to correct myself because Engvall has not been sent down yet. Um, but you know, you know, I mean, with Engel being sorry, with Pierre Engel has definitely looked well, um, so far since being called up. Um, you know, I mean, like, and it, you know, I mean, and it has definitely been helpful that the Leafs have had several different reinforcements over the last few years that have been able to come in for injured players. You know, uh, last year, I believe that Trevor Moore got, got a call up, sorry, when the Leafs are battling some health issues. You know, I mean, and, you know, I mean, like these players have, you know, come up and fit in well, you know, I mean, like, and I love how Pierre Engvall, you know, you know, he, you know, I mean, like he definitely seems, you know, very hungry and motivated, you know, and sorry, you know, and constantly tends to jump on loose pucks and loose pucks and goes hard to the net. Um, you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, and I've, you know, and I definitely enjoy what I've seen from him so far. And I definitely see that people are, you know, making the case for reasons why 
uh, Trevor when he gets back into the lineup, why Engel, sorry, uh, sorry, why Engel should be taking over his playing time. So, you know, I, you know, so, I mean, he, you know, so he definitely has been impressing the Leafs coaching staff as well as the fan base. Yeah, it's it's almost a good problem to have to have it be like, what's going to happen if Moore comes back to Pierre Engvall? And, and of course, Nick Shore was the one that went on waivers today, and that is pretty much what it sounded like a strictly a cap move by the Leafs for when Mark comes back on IR, which what is sounding like tomorrow. But one thing you mentioned earlier when we talked off the top with about Keith about not pinning the loss on Friday on the head coach, a guy that you probably could pin the loss on was Michael Hutchinson, the backup goaltender. And some people are saying, give him one more shot. But how many said that about the last time he laid an egg in goal? Is it time that the Leafs, with, with the, obviously there's a back-to-back here tonight, Anderson starting tonight against the Flyers, which pretty much means Hutchinson will get the start against Colorado. Yeesh. Um, where do you see the Leafs going forward with their backup goaltender? Do they try to keep Hutchinson, hope he pans out, or is it about time they make a move? So, I mean, in terms, so in terms of making a move, I mean, cap space is definitely the challenge, right? I mean, uh, Hutchinson is earning $700,000, um, you know, and, um, sorry, you know, and at this point, the Leafs don't have any more cap space. Uh, no, 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 they, they do start about that. Um, very, Actually, very minimal cap space. Very minimal. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge for them, you know, in order to um, find a solid backup goaltender that, uh, sorry, uh, solid backup goaltender that is going to be able to fill that gap. Um, and, you know, I mean, in, in terms of the Leafs, I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, I mean, I think at this point, um, you know, probably just have to, to write out, um, you know, where, sorry, write out where they are now and hope that a team ends up waving someone. Um, you know, I mean, because I, you know, because I definitely think that it's going to be a challenge for the Leafs to find a super backup without giving up a rostered player aside from Michael Hutchinson, um, you know, that, um, you know, that is going to be serviceable in net behind for, for Frederick Anderson. Um, you know, and I saw the other day that um, I believe that it was Nick Alberga that was throwing out, you know, the Rangers and, you know, trying to target uh, Alexander Gorgiev, who, sorry, who has been fantastic when he has played against the Leafs. Um, you know, and I, you know, and, you know, and from Gorgiev's sample size, you know, I, you know, I mean, I haven't seen enough of him finding, yeah, finding consistent success, you know, so I feel like, sorry, you know, so I feel like if the Leafs went out and dealt for someone like him, you know, that they're definitely going to have similar challenges down the road. Um, you know, I mean, and we've seen, you know, uh, sorry, and we've seen some of the Leafs rivals, you know, um, bring up goaltending prospects that are that aren't really ready yet. Um, as the Habs, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, as the Habs called up Cade and Primo, I definitely don't like that for them. I'm definitely worried about his lack of playing time. You know when, sorry, you know when it comes to backing up Carey Price. I feel like you know, I mean, like in terms of like the Leafs, you know, I mean that 
you know, that with them, I, I think at this point, um, you know, I mean, if they aren't, if they aren't confident in Michael Hutchinson, you know, I mean, Casimir Caswell or, um, you know, uh, sorry, you know, I mean, or hoping that a team will waive someone is the, I mean, I mean, is the best route for them at this time. And that's, you know, I mean, and that's mainly due to cap space. Um, you know, I mean, the challenge is that when you sign, you know, is that when you sign multiple guys for over $10 million, um, you know, I mean, at, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, you are definitely going to have some challenges in terms of the cap. Um, and on, and on, and unfortunately the, the backup goaltender slot, um, you know, definitely, you know, that, that definitely takes a hit. Well, the funny, the odd thing is, you know, Cascasville came in for one game, gives up six, but that was at the peak of the team going down the toilet with Mike Babcock. Do you think it's, do you think it's unfair a little bit that Cascasville will be based on that one game that he played? Because from my end, I think he gives. I think he deserves another shot. He's put up good numbers in the American League, and yeah, we saw that with Sparks and Bebo first for a short period of time. Antoine Bebo didn't quite pan out in the NHL, but you think that maybe he deserves a better shot? Because of course, Sparks was given his chances last year. Bebo the same. It's almost like it's unfair to give Cascaswell the benefit or like to look at him and say, that's how bad he is after just one game when the team in front of him was absolute garbage. So do you think Cascaswell should get at least another opportunity to get called up? Yeah. I mean, I definitely do. You definitely hit home in terms of saying that, you know, I mean that his one game was during the Babcock spell at this point, you know, um, you know, I mean, it definitely wouldn't be the worst thing, uh, you know, to call him up for a game. And, you know, I mean, if, you know, I mean, and if he has another rough outing, you know, then, you know, then you go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, I mean, and as you said, you know, so, you know, in terms of his performance, uh, so, so far with the, uh, sorry, so far with the Marlies, I mean, he has definitely been finding a lot of success for them. So, you know, I mean, in my mind, it couldn't hurt to give him one more opportunity. It's a shame that Ian Scott's hurt right now because it'd be interesting to see where he would play in all this. Former great goaltender for the Prince Albert Raiders. But now let's get into the the big question here, Josh. The Leafs right now looking a little bit better with Sheldon Keefe, though. Goaltend, backup goaltender aside. They're looking a lot better. Frederick's playing with a lot more confidence. The team is playing with a lot more confidence. Are they now back to being an actual contender? Or is this just the honeymoon phase that we are in the middle of right now and they're going to tail back down to just being a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot? Um, I think, you know, I think it's a little bit too early to tell. You know, I mean, at this point, I'm leaning more towards honeymoon phase. You know, I definitely feel that they are much better with Sheldon Keefe. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I definitely think it's a little bit too early to tell. Um, you know, I mean, the team is definitely playing better special teams is definitely playing better. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's just a little bit too early. Um, you know, I mean, if we, you know, if we were having the same conversation, I don't know after, you know, I mean, after, I don't know, maybe like, uh, sorry, after like five more games, um, and 
you know, I mean, and if, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, and if the Leafs had, you know, uh, generated more wins than losses over that spell, you know, then, I, you know, then I would definitely feel more confident in saying that they are a contender, but I'm, you know, you know, but I mean, at this point, I, you know, at this point, I'm not really confident in saying that, you know, you know, because, you know, because at the end of the day, the sample size is way, I mean, is way too small. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely need to see the Leafs play a few more games. Yeah, and it's going to be. Before I am confident in saying that they are a contender. And they do get the Flyers tonight, who aren't looking too bad right now. But then you get the Avalanche with Rantanen back in the lineup. And then you go on the big Western Canada road trip, which right now is interesting because you have Vancouver, who is in a bit of a weird stretch themselves. They're trying to figure out if they're going to be, if they're going to fall off the cliff once again, if they're going to be competitive. Calgary's maybe looking to find their feet. And Edmonton is looking like the Edmonton we all expected. I mean, granted, it's just Connor McDavid leading the way with Leon Dreisaitl, but... This big road trip the Leafs have coming up here could be a real test to see how Keith is with this club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms, yeah, in terms of this road trip, um, you know, I, you know, I mean, they are definitely going to be facing some tough competition, especially with the, uh, sorry, especially with the Colorado Avalanche with Kale McCarr, uh, you know, Rantanen, um, you know, I mean, and while Vancouver and Calgary, I mean, have definitely been um, a bit rough as of late, um, you know, there, sorry, you know, there is a lot of talent on both of those rosters, um, you know, and, um, you know, and with Calgary going through a similar ordeal, um in terms of bringing on a new coach um, at this point, um, you know, you know, I mean, there definitely could be some, sorry, you know, yeah, so, you know, I mean, there definitely could be some rapid changes in their performance in terms of the, sorry, in terms of the Evans and Oilers, um, they, you know, you know, I mean, they have been slowing down a little bit, um, you know, and, you know, I mean, and as you said, I mean, they, you know, I mean, they are definitely coming back to earth, you know, I mean, but playing against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are definitely tough to, sorry, yeah, are definitely tough to handle. So, you know, I mean, so, I mean, pretty much any, I mean, pretty much anything can happen, right? Well, it's hopefully all goes well. And of course, talking about those back-to-backs, the Leafs have two more before the new year, both of them involving the New York Rangers, one against Detroit, one against the Devils. So two teams that are not playing well right now, but you never know with the Leafs this season. But once again, Josh, we're going to let you go here because the puck's about to drop, and I'm sure you don't want me yelling at you about the Leafs, and you don't want to be yelling at me, so we'll watch it in our own separate ways. I'll watch it while I'm recording this, which will only make the show very annoying for folks that are not Leafs fans. But you guys can follow Josh Tesler on Twitter. Follow him at Josh Tesler underscore. That is J-O-S-H-T-E-S-S-S. L-E-R with an underscore. You make sure you check him out with his Quebec League and U.S. Scout for FC Hockey, Sabre Scout for Dauber Prospects, and Prospect Contributor for Bruins Diehards. Josh, thank you once again, and as always, go Leafs, go. And, th- and thank you very much, Tyler, for having me on, buddy.
And a huge thank you once again to Josh Tesla for coming on our show today. Leafs and Flyers well in action right now at the Wells Fargo Center in not West Philadelphia, not born and raised, not in the playgrounds where I spent most of my day. Okay, sorry. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came flying out of me there. But let's get in some other news across the National Hockey League. First, yes, we will talk about it in brief. Bill Peters out as Calgary Flames head coach. Peters stepping down Friday afternoon. Too much of nobody's surprise. He missed Wednesday's game with the team as the team told him to take a leave of absence. However, though, the Flyers seem to have kind of bounced back. They had won Wednesday night without Peters behind the bench. A 3-2 win over Buffalo. And then on Saturday, the day after, they beat Ottawa 3-1 at home as well. So the Flames trying to turn things around with the new head coach, similar to how the Leafs have since that changeover. Because there's a lot of comparisons between the two stories here. Calgary, a lot of expectations after the last season. Goaltending, obviously, was the big question mark. You see the similarities here? Obviously, it was the starting goaltender with Calgary, not backup goaltender, as the Leafs problem had. But goaltending issues were in Calgary. Had a lot of highly touted forwards. Matthew Kachuk getting a big contract extension. That was a very prevalent piece as well. So, about how Mitch Marner got his big contract. Kachuk, obviously, not as much as Marner's, but nonetheless. And the team starts off fairly mediocre and well below expectations. Babcock goes out, gets fired. In the Leafs, in comes Keefe, and the Leafs start turning around. Jeff Ward has taken over and has seemed to have at least kind of calmed the ship to make sure they're able to be focused on playing the game. And obviously, both teams have now had to deal with more stories coming out about their former coaches. We're not going to get into them too much here because I'm sure you have, uh, if, you, you're on the, if you're listening to this show, you've already heard the stories, read the stories, had your own takes on them, so we will not go any more into it here on this episode. And hopefully, hopefully we don't have to, but of course, unfortunately, like most topics and most things, Things are built up behind the big wall, and eventually once the dam cracks a little bit, the floodgates will open, and away they go. And that has happened so far in the last few weeks around the game of hockey. And we're not going to try to stay on a sour note much more, but we have to, of course, because we need to talk about the news earlier today. John Hines out as head coach of the New Jersey Devils as the team has started off miserably this season as the, the Devils are by far one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League so far this season. A team that really had a lot of expectations coming into this year. Jack Hughes coming on board, P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, maybe the rebirth of Corey Schneider. But so far, it has not panned out that way. The Devils towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference, bottom of the league standings, they are... Five points ahead of Detroit. We'll get to them here in a minute. However, they are 9-13-4 this season. They have only won three games. They have only won four games since November the 14th. And one of those wins, a big win over Pittsburgh. Maybe things are starting to turn around. 
However, the other three were against two against Montreal and one against Detroit. Two teams that we'll talk about here in just a minute because they're not doing too hot themselves either. But just embarrassing losses to the Rangers, Pittsburgh, Boston. This team has not looked good at all this season. It all was capped off with a loss last night to the Buffalo Sabres, 7-1. to And a Buffalo team that started off the season hot but has kind of taken a dip. They're still technically a playoff team in the Atlantic Division. But that said, they have, they have not been a, a really dominant hockey club the Sabres have. But a still a 7-1 defeat, Depend, no matter who you are, no matter how bad of a hockey team, no matter, no matter how good of a team you are, it is not, never a good night to lose 7-1. to They have certainly really fallen off the cliff here. And you wonder if the Devils are, they're making this decision in order to maybe revamp the Devils. Maybe they'll be able to turn it around. Hey, hey, the Blues did it last year. And right now, it's not an enormous gap between them and the playoffs. They're only 10 points out, and they still have 46 games left. Correction, 56 games left in the regular season. So plenty of time to turn it around, try to figure it out. However, you've got to wonder what this team needs to do. They just have not. Mackenzie Blackwood has not been able to come in and save the day. As a backup goaltender, Corey Schneider is not Corey Schneider anymore. I guess everyone's going to have to work on giving that up. But this Devil team, this Devil's team, I, I picked them to be close to a playoff team because you would, I thought maybe, just maybe, they were going to be a team that was going to be competitive. I thought this Metro was going to be wide open and wild, and who knows what would happen. But really, it's kind of, I don't, know, I don't say it's spread out, but it's looking pretty up to par. I mean, you have... Washington, the Islanders, I, I predicted Philly to be up there, and that's where they are. And you have Carolina and Pittsburgh in a playoff spot right now. But I did not pick New Jersey to be below Columbus. I figured maybe Columbus would have been the last team. Maybe the Rangers be the last in the Metro Division, not the Devils. Now with this revamped team, this new mindset, this positive outlook, they have been a true disappointment. The replacement for Mr. Hines is Elaine Nasreddin. Nasreddin was the assistant coach and is also a former assistant coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And looked up some of his hockey DB, kind of bounced around the minors quite a bit, played a little bit here and there, had a few stints in the NHL, including playing for a brief time with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this was, of course, hours before the Devils played their game here tonight as they're going you know, to drop the puck later on against the Vegas Golden Knights. So how will they do against the Vegas Golden Knights team that has seemed to maybe have found their step? Of course, the Knights beating the Rangers last night by a score of 4-1 to one and look good in doing so. Another team that is really floundering, but then again, a team that is expected to flounder, the Detroit Red Wings. And this is where my dad probably turns off the podcast because he doesn't want to hear how bad his team is doing. But 10 straight losses for the Detroit Red Wings. Their last victory came on November the 12th against the Anaheim Ducks. This is a hockey club that was not expected to do well, 
maybe improve a little bit in terms of competitive hockey. They were going to play better, play tighter, but still lose, similar to how the 15-16 Leafs were. I'm beginning to think that that is a lie. This hockey club is miserable to watch. They are... It's It doesn't even look like they want to win. I get it. Yes, you want the first-round pick. You want either Quinton Byfield or Lexi Lafreniere. But it's looking more and more like this team is tanking purposely. And the funny aspect is that Steve Eiserman has never actually tanked before. He's always had competitive teams with Tampa Bay and has never had to worry about... I mean, if they missed the playoffs, and missed it badly if they ever did. They never were tanking. They were a team that was going to be competitive and work hard and try to be a playoff team and just kind of retool, and which is what they did on their off years when they didn't make the playoffs. If you look at the couple of years following the 2015 Cup run, or at least run to the Cup Finals, they missed the playoffs in 2017 and really had to work and get their chops to be a dominant team in 2018. 2019, of course, one of the best in the league, unfortunately really falling off in the first round against Columbus, but he never had to try to rebuild a hockey club. So that's why it's interesting to see how bad this team has been. Looking at some of their games as of late, I mean, losing to Washington 5-2, of course, that's expected, but getting throttled by both the Flyers and the Leafs on back-to-back games, losing to Carolina where they only had 19 shots on goal. I mean, you look at, I remember my brother went down to that game last Wednesday between the Leafs and the Wings at Little Caesars Arena. And he said there was one part of the game where he was so bored because he was sitting on the end in the second period where Frederick Anderson was. Now, yes, when Anderson made that incredible save, it woke everyone up and made everyone go crazy, but that end of the rink was so bored because all the play was on the other end. And yes, that is a mixture of the Leafs playing better hockey than the Wings, but there's just no competitiveness. The Devils beat the Wings. Ottawa beat the Wings. I get it, you're tanking. That's the point. But show some competitive spirit. They're getting they're getting beaten every single game. I don't know if they're I, I couldn't tell you. Tweet us at the Kill Podcast and tell us when was the last time the Red Wings outshot an opponent. They were beaten last night to they were beaten by the Islanders, which obviously is a good hockey team. They were beaten four to one, which is expected. Because the the way the Islanders' defense is, nobody's going to get shots on goal on them. But you want to see more. And then you see moves like Calvin Picker getting brought up because, of course, Jimmy Howard went down with a groin injury in that game against the Leafs. Calvin Picker getting called up and then getting sent right back down for Eric Comrie. Eric Comrie, who has not had a whole lot of NHL experience, they traded defensive prospect Vili Sayarvi out of Grand Rapids for Comrie, and Comrie was put right into the NHL lineup. He will obviously be playing because Jonathan Bernier is recovering from his illness. I believe he has recovered by now, but he'll probably play, Comrie will probably play here in the near future. But then you see Tara Hirose and Philip Zidina both get sent down today to the Grand Rapids Griffins of the AHL, and you wonder, are you trying to protect players? Are you trying to build their confidence? What is the M.O. here? Because if you folks remember, I know, yes, bringing it back to the Leafs here, how does it affect the Leafs? Well, 15-16, they played guys like William Nylander, Zach Hyman, Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Soshnikov at the end of that 15-16 season. 
They all made their NHL debuts. Connor Carrick as well, making his debut at the time, which was at at that point a big a big moment because he was a very highly touted defensive prospect. Unfortunately, did not pan out. Ironically, now with the New Jersey Devils. But you bring these guys, these kids up, and you know they're not doing they're not doing great, but they're not doing awful. You know, you're giving them playing time, but you're going to bounce them back up and down. And you know, what is the plan with these players? Will Harosi and Zadina, because you eventually need to find consistency because it's difficult to find consistency in this league if you're not going to play every given night. If you're bouncing up and down, you're adjusting between two different styles of hockey. And let's be honest, folks, if you've ever been to an AHL game before, you understand what I'm talking about. It's a different kind of game. You have guys that are working against the NHL, whereas guys that are trying to perfect their craft in the NHL. It's a different kind of game. Now, granted, yes, NHL and AHL teams will have similar styles because, obviously, yes, you're trying to breed players for the big club. But that said, it's just a different kind of game. You go watch, and these guys are going maybe a little harder into the corners. It's it's an interesting game. I, don't, I can't go into too much detail because I... It's hard to put into words. You have to go and experience the game itself. It's like watching a junior hockey game. Those kids that are trying to impress NHL scouts, collegiate scouts, you can tell how much more they want it because they're trying to prove something. Same with the AHL. NHL, you don't have to you don't necessarily have to prove it to actually to move up unless you're maybe a third or fourth liner, but you really want to just you see a different kind of game because they're already there and they're doing everything they can to stay there instead of trying to make it. It's two different kinds of mental and physical effort. And I guess when you're when you're thinking with bringing Sedina and Hiroshi back down and keeping them down with Grand Rapids, you are trying to make sure that they get playing time, they get they put up points. You want them to put up points because then they'll have confidence when they come back up to the NHL. Guys like Pierre Engvall for the Marlies going up to the Leafs made an immediate impact right away. Because why? Because he was ready coming out of the AHL. And now, yes, there have been some players that have kind of flopped. Anthony Mantha for a minute was kind of on the fringe of whether or not he was actually going to be able to make it in the NHL. But then now, as we've seen, despite, I mean, obviously he's injured right now, but you could see that he's really turned the corner and is going to become a very key player for the Wings moving forward, along with guys like Dylan Larkin and hopefully a guy like Philip Zadina. And by the way, for the us, for our Wings fans that listen to us, I will tell you this. Zadina is starting out very similar to Anthony Mantha. Kind of trying to find his footing in the pro game. Obviously dominated the Quebec League. Trying to find his footing in the pro league. It may take him a year or two. But if you're patient with him, he will blossom eventually. That said, I'd like to see him play a little bit more in the NHL or at least consistently in Grand Rapids or Detroit. Stevie Eiserman, pick one. That's all I'm saying regarding that. One team that is not doing well, and boy, are do they really need to figure it out, figure it out quick, it is the Montreal Canadiens. The Habs have lost eight straight games. For a team that was supposed to be a competitive team, a team that was only a couple points out of a playoff spot last year, have really plummeted in the standings. They currently sit with 28 points right now. Yes, they're only two points behind the Leafs. I get that. 
for people that are looking at the standings right now screaming, they're the same. They're almost, they're right there. Well, you know what? They have gone of their last 10. They are two, five, and three. They have, like we said, they have lost eight straight games. Which, yes, includes a Sunday loss to the Bruins. And they lost to Philly on Saturday night in overtime. Lost to the Devils twice in this stretch, by the way. Their last win came against, ironically, the Washington Capitals back on November the 15th. But you look at it. They have three overtime losses in that stretch, including Ottawa and New Jersey. They've lost twice to New Jersey in this stretch. Lost to Philadelphia in overtime. Lost to Boston twice, including that 8-1 game or Carey Price just looked miserable. I'm sorry. He looked awful. He looked tired. He looked everything that could be wrong. And boy, there were a lot of people that were screaming Patrick Waugh. Because it was looking like the way that game was going, that this was going to be the end for Carey Price in Montreal. And he eventually did get pulled, though. As far as I know, he didn't go over to Jeff Molson and tell him he wasn't playing for the Canadians anymore. Then again, Jeff Molson doesn't sit right behind the bench. And of course, Carey Price played the next few games. And Keith Kincaid came in that came and boy. I wrote a piece about it recently for the hockey writers talking about the backup situation needs to improve. Everyone thinks it's bad in Toronto. Well, it's not much better in Montreal right now. They are struggling to find something. And really, this kind of all stems from when Jonathan Duran was injured. And this it's a real it's so tough because he injured he was injured in that last win against the Washington Capitals. He's out eight weeks following surgery, wrist surgery that is. And of course Paul Byron was put under the knife as well. But since Jonathan Duran has been out of this lineup, this team has not been the same. Max Domi has not been able to pick it up. And looking at it, Philip Deneau is not really a guy that can lead it. And for Brendan Gallagher is not a guy that's going to lead the offense. He's a great dressing room guy and a hardworking guy, but you can't expect him to be your guy to lead the team offensively. He needs support. And Duran was there to help out a little bit. And really, this team has been all out of sorts since then. And with Keith Kincaid now getting sent down and clearing waivers, by the way, he's cleared waivers. And I, when I, one of my points in the hockey writer's piece was that Carey Price is going to get overworked. Similar to how Frederick Anderson will be overworked at least. They can't figure out their situation. And the, the difference between Carey Price and Frederick Anderson is that Frederick Anderson right now, as I knock on wood, is being able to hold the fort. Carey Price has not been able to. Now, granted, yes, you can look at the team in front of them and say, well, no, duh. They have not been playing well at all. Nobody has. What can they do? And I remember I, I was one of the people when I heard Keith Kincaid was put on waivers. I yelled, bring up Caden Primo, you cowards. Caden Primo, former Northeastern standout, who has had a pretty good start to the season with the Laval Rocket. And even though his last few starts have not been too, not been too promising, unfortunately. And that is in a little bit of a, 
And that can be kind of uh, accumulated to the fact that he is the team, the Rocket, have not played well. They had a good start to the month of November, which was one of my pieces also, the Rocket Report on the Hockey Writers. But yeah, he's allowed five goals in his last two starts, four before that, and before November, he had never he had not allowed more than three goals in a game. And then in November, he allowed a goal in each of his first two starts, then allowed five against Belleville, but then got a shutout against Bridgeport, but then allowed four goals against Utica, five against Belleville again, and five against Springfield. So yes, he is not coming in to the NHL on a high note. However, you got to wonder what they're going to do because you're going to have to play him. You have to play Caden Primo. You don't just bring him up to trade him because he is a prospect and he is a guy that the Canadians honestly believe that he's a guy that's going to be part of their future. So how will he do? That remains to be foreseen. Looking at the Montreal Canadiens' upcoming schedule here, they are playing the Islanders right now. Carey Price obviously getting the start. However, there is a back-to-back. Thursday and Friday, the Canadians will play Colorado in Montreal on Thursday. On Friday, they'll head to Madison Square Garden and take on the New York Rangers. Caden Primo will most likely get one of those starts. Now, I'm interested because, remember, we talked about Alex Georgiev with Josh and his sample size is a little bit small. Could we see Georgiev versus Primo? That would be interesting. Rangers right now are battling for a playoff spot. They're playing some decent hockey right now. Despite the loss last night to Vegas, they've been playing pretty well up to the most part. Lundqvist now, granted, Lundqvist is not King Henrik anymore, but when called upon, he's been able to make a save here and there. That's been one of the interesting things about having ESPN+. Plus. I always seem, they always seem to play the Rangers games. And it's cool because I get to hear Sam Rosen, and Sam is one of the best voices in hockey. If you've, ever, if you've never been able to watch a Rangers broadcast, you can sometimes catch him. He does games for Westwood One, the radio during the playoffs for NBC. He is an amazing voice. If, for the, I guess if, if you're a hockey fan, you recognize his voice from the 94 Stanley Cup Finals. You know, the waiting is over. The New York Rangers, Stanley Cup, that call, that's Sam Rosen. An amazing voice, a great person, great personality as well. But going back to the Habs here, trying to stay focused as much as I can. Even though I'm by myself, I should be able to stay focused. By the way, 0-0 Leafs and Flyers after one. Carter Hart looking magnificent. Boy. Man, I mean, he's definitely a World Junior goaltender. World Junior gold medal winning goaltender. You can see what kind of an impact he's made with him and Brian Elliott being two incredible goaltenders for Philly this year. Once again, back to Montreal here. Sorry. But one of the big stories coming out of today is that there was initial reports that Mark Bergevin had visited Bob Hartley in Russia. Bob Hartley, former head coach of the Calgary Flames, former head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup winning coach with the Colorado Avalanche back in 2001. Mark Bergevin actually contacted Bob Hartley. At least that was another report. And yes, it is looking like Claude Julien could be out as Montreal Canadiens head coach. And I honestly wonder, I really wonder here, what could the Canadians do without Julien? For those that don't remember, I mean, short-term memory loss for some of you folks, 2017, Michelle Therrien, head coach of the Canadians, kind of floundering right there looking like a team that may not make the playoffs. 
Terrian gets fired out. Julian comes in. Team kind of rebounds, wins the division. Now, yes, they were ousted by the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs that year, but Julian was able to turn them around, gave it a little bit of fresh air, even though Julian, two weeks before, was head coach of the Boston Bruins, but I'm sure Habs fans like to ignore that. Now, with what is going on with the Canadians, would a coaching change bring life to the Canadians? Would they bring life to the lineup, a team that is floundering, a team that is without right now their top offensive player, Jonathan Duran? Would it reignite Max Domi? Would it help out the depth scoring? Will Carey Price feel a little bit more of a relief with a new head coach? You never know. Who's available, really? Now, yes, they talked to Bob Hartley. Why do you talk to Bob Hartley? Because, well, he has experience. And no offense to Joel Bilchard with the Laval Rocket, he's not really been pumping out great players over his tenure as head coach of the Canadiens' top farm club. So going out with what, what's available, you're not just going to bring in a random guy out of the blue because there's not many out there that are going to be top quality. And yes, there are recent recent coaches that have been fired recently. So, But they're not going to obviously get a job because of many reasons. So you have one or two options in Montreal. You try to ride it out and hope the ship turns around, but obviously that ship is falling faster than Titanic. Or you can try to repair this hole in the side of the boat and try to coast to the shores and maybe get get close to the playoffs, have some promise. So we'll see what Mark Bergevin does. Now, yes, is Bergevin going to be out as Canadian's general manager? That remains to be foreseen. Molson has not given really any inclination that Bergevin will be looked at and reviewed upon before possible execution. Okay, that sounds a little dark, sorry. Before he is fired. Is that a little bit lighter? Fired? Fire and execution? Two less things? I don't know. You guys let us know. Hashtag TKP. But Montreal and Devils, two teams that were supposed to be better but are not. Wings supposed to compete better but definitely have not. Three teams that are coming out of Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving that is, looking like a bunch of stuffed turkeys. Some other news and notes around the league we talked a little bit about with Josh Tesler. Mitch Marner expected to be released off IR tomorrow, hence why Nick Shore was thrown on waivers today. Dmitry Kulikov, big hit here. For the Winnipeg Jets, he'll be out until late January. Big loss here for the Jets in a team that seems to be really fine in their stride right now, holding their own in the Central Division. Currently third, one point behind the Colorado Avalanche. And Kulikov has... Now, I don't, I can't exactly say off the top of my head how deep the Jets are on defense. With Bufflin being gone with losing Jacob Truba, they have need, they've needed Kulikov to be a top guy. And Morrissey was hurt the other night. So really, right now, your top defensive pairing is looking like, at least from paper, Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey. Cameron Schilling was brought up the day after the Griffins played the Moose last Friday. How do I know that? Because I saw Schilling play against the Griffins last Friday. And the next morning, waking up to find out he was being called up. So that is a tough break here for the Jets. Really having to rely now on Hellebuck. And Hellebuck's numbers this season have not been astronomically poor, 
And in fact, he's actually really been able to turn it around so far this year. He's starting to look like the goaltender we saw a couple years ago. He has a 2.23 goals against average with a 9.33 save percentage so far in 21 games. He's starting to look like the Hellebuck of old, which is dangerous for the rest of the Central Division and has looked like the goaltender that everyone thought he was going to be last season and the year before that and the year before that. So the Jets obviously can, I don't say lose a defenseman because you never want to lose defense, but knowing that your goaltender is playing well is definitely a positive sign. He is 13-7-1 this year. His last five starts, he's won three out of his last five, including a big game against San Jose where he stopped 33 or stopped 32 of 33. And then he stopped 31 of 35 against Dallas, 38 of 39 against Nashville. He's looking good. He's looking confident, which going into the season, we were not sure about. After the way it went last year, yeah, they made the playoffs, but you could tell it wasn't the same Hellebuck, but he's looking confident. That's huge for a goaltender because if you go through an entire season with wavering expectations of how is he going to play tonight, which Hellebuck are you going to get, it can take a toll not just on the goaltender but on the team itself because if you play kind of tentative because you're not know how your goaltender is going to play, it affects how you play. It affects if you can put pucks in the net. It affects how your systems go. And with the confidence of a go- in your starting goaltender, it is important and for a team's confidence because they play more loose. They they're not tight. They're playing relaxed. They're moving the puck well. They're playing a lot more open. They're rushing the puck up more. They're, the defense are willing to jump up in the rush because they know if they do get beat, they have a goaltender back there that can make the big save. So now the Jets, I'm not going to say contender. Not going to say contender. Way too early for that. Way, way too early for that. But they're a team that you got to watch out for. And yeah, St. Louis is the top of the division and starting to run away with him. Shocking. Well, not shockingly enough, but you thought maybe a little bit of Stanley Cup hangover with St. Louis? No. <laughs> Bennington, Bennington looked at the reporter and said, Do I look worried? No, exactly. That's exactly what he, that's what the Blues are doing right now. Do they look worried? Absolutely not. But. They're right behind Colorado right now. They're not comfortably ahead of Dallas. In fact, they're tied with them in points with the tiebreaker. They are ahead of them. But they're in a good spot right now. And Dallas has really turned it around. That central division is getting a little funky. Getting a little interesting. Blues may run away with the division, but that those second and third spots, I mean, the wild card may be determined by the central. However, it may not be if Nashville can't figure it out. Nashville, who by the way, has only won three of their last ten games. And for some reason, nobody's panicking down there. Then again, I don't know if it's because it's not a hockey mecca market. Yes, hold on, Smashville. Relax. Stop. Stop. Before you start screaming at the at your phone, your tablet, whatever you're listening to us on, whatever format you're listening on, whether it be SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you're yelling at us right now, hold on. I'm not saying you're a bad hockey market. I'm just saying the media coverage down there is nothing like Calgary, Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, whatever. Because if Nashville right now was in Toronto, if they were in Toronto, if they were in Canada, there will be people with pitchforks calling for the head of Peter Laviolette. So let's just, let's just remember that, okay? <laughs> let's just remember, let's take into account that the media coverage for the Canadian team is a little bit bigger than in Nashville. I'm not going to judge the fan base because trust me when I say 
A Predators game looks a lot more fun than a Leafs game on most nights during the week. Leafs Nation, come at me. I've been to games on weeknights, I can tell you. I've heard churches that have been louder. Nonetheless, Central Division, getting interesting. More news and notes. Patrick Hornquist going to be out longer term, is the quote from head coach Mike Sullivan the other day. Patrick Hornquist, who came back from IR after missing a certain amount of time on November the 21st, was injured in practice earlier today, and it's sounding like his lower body injury will keep him out until, it sounds like, the end of January. It sounds like it's going to be a while before Patrick Hornquist comes back, and that is a big loss for the Penguins, who, for a team that is themselves trying to stay afloat in the playoff picture right now, clinging to that second wildcard spot right in front of the Leafs, two points ahead of them right now. Yes, folks, we will be staring at the standings from here on. It is December. It is go time for standings watch here across the National Hockey League. Now, yes, there are, things can change in plenty of time here, but we can start to look at it and judge on how a team is based on where they are in the standings. Like I said, Boston running away with the division. Somehow Florida is still second. They are still second. I am going to repeat this once again, folks. The Florida Panthers are second in the Atlantic Division. They are not second in the conference, of course. That is currently being held by the Islanders, who, despite, I don't want to say to the surprise of some, because I keep saying it, I did not expect Simeon Varlamov to play this well. Thomas Grice, yes. After last year, he's been looking good. But I did not expect to see this kind of a return to form by Simeon Varlamov. Now, yes, playing with the confidence and playing behind a defensive core that Barry Trotz has brought in and developed with the New York Islanders, yes, you will play well. They don't have the biggest goal differential. However, they currently still have the least amount of goals allowed in the NHL, only allowing 59 goals so far this season. The best goal differential, though, by far, has been the Boston Bruins. Plus 34. I will tell you, they have perfected the goaltending tandem. Yaroslav Halak. People were laughing about that when the Boston Bruins signed him last season. He's been looking pretty good. Pretty good indeed. Tukarask. Well, he's been there. He still looks good. Still plays well. Now, yes, there is still the, the knock on him. Can't win the big game. We'll see how it goes. Playoffs are a whole different ballgame. But right now, it is looking to be a battle between three teams right now, St. Louis, Boston, and the Washington Capitals for the top spot in the NHL. I am interested to see who, who makes a, a, a quiet jump and climb up the standings here. And I'm watching the, I watch the Rangers, and I see a team that has potential to be a competitive hockey club. Right now, we have seen nothing. And I, I know it's hilarious, but nothing from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Where is that conversation at right now? Are we going to avoid the fact that last year's President's Trophy winners, by the way, last year's team that won 62 games, is currently just above 500. They're 12-9-3 right now. 27 points. Right behind Montreal. Behind Montreal, the team we just knocked on I'm just saying, I, I don't. 
I don't know what's wrong with Tampa Bay. Is it the goaltending? They have allowed 79 goals, which with the teams all around them is not that bad. Montreal's given up 96. The Rangers are giving up 87. Ottawa's giving up 84, which is surprising. I mean, Anders Nielsen, for some reason, just feels like turning on whatever he wants to. But the goal scoring is just not there. Not as much as it was last season. 88 goals for this season. And just taking a look back to last year, where they won, like we said, 62 games, went 62, 16, and 4, where they scored 325 goals. They had a goal differential of plus 103. They were the most dominant team. They had single digits in the loss category on the road and at home. They were oh so close. They tailed off a hair. They went 7-3 and three in their last 10. If they had lost one less game, they would have set the record. Yet they were the biggest disappointment in the National Hockey League. Does that have something to do with it? What has been different with this team? Now, yes, Kucherov being out right now is a huge detriment to the Lightning. But what needs to change? Nobody's calling for John Cooper's head down there. I can tell you that right now. But Tampa Bay's just not playing well. I mean, looking at some of their games, they were beaten by Carolina on Saturday night. And that's starting to, and I can officially say now, folks, that Carolina, losing to Carolina, is not a bad thing anymore. And, and the odd thing is, looking at their last month, they really have not lost to anyone they should be ashamed of. They lost to Carolina, lost to Washington overtime. By the way, that was back-to-back nights. Lost to the Blues twice in a matter of two weeks. Lost to Winnipeg, who's, like I said, been holding their own in the Central Division. And they lost to the Islanders. They just had such a bad start to the year where they lost to Florida, lost to Carolina. Don't forget, that was at the time when Florida was not a good hockey team. They really turned it around in the last month and a half. But they lost to Ottawa, lost to Colorado by a big margin. They just did not start the year well. They're starting to turn it around a little bit, but where where is the mojo they had? What do they need to figure out in order to turn this ship around? There is time left, yes. But what do you have to do? Does Vasilevsky need to really stand on his head? Does he need to be an all-world goaltender? Probably, yes, on a more nightly basis. But there needs to be more from Stamkos. With the absence of Kucherov, yes, that his go-to weapon, the guy who's been, who Stamkos has turned himself into a playmaker to give Kucherov the puck, is not there. Where is Alex Kalorn in all this? Why is he not playing better? Victor Hedman, yes, he's getting older. I get that. Kevin Shattenkirk, then by far, one of the bright spots for that Tampa Bay team, a guy that nobody expected to do well. Now he actually is playing well. Unfortunately, he's playing on a team that's not playing well. That, you guys following that one there? Okay, cool. So Tampa Bay is just in a, in a weird spot. They have a very talented hockey club. I'm not going to compare them to the Leafs. I'm not going to do that. It's a different scenario here. you got to start to wonder, will, they, will Breezewell make a move? 
Now, granted, yes, McElhinney has not put up all-world numbers. He has a 3.42 goals against average and a 908 save percentage. Vasilevsky want more from with a 906, but the team in front of him is not playing well. But then again, as a goaltender, you need to steal a game every uh, every so often. They got a little bit of a tough stretch coming up here. The exception of playing Nashville tonight and then Minnesota on Thursday. They go, they have excuse me, they host San Jose on Saturday. They play the Islanders in Florida back to back. Islanders at home, Florida down in Sunrise. Then you get Boston and Washington. Tough, tough week coming up here for the Lightning. And a real tough test here and a real telling tale if they're going to be a team that's able to bounce back because they're playing really good hockey teams. And if they can't, if they don't come out of that week 500 or close to, or above 500, five games I'm talking about here. So if they don't come out above 500, this is a hockey team that really could be a question mark of being a playoff team. And I was expecting, hey, guys, congratulations to the 2020 Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning because I was saying that sometimes you need to learn to lose in order to be a winner. Well, they're learning to lose in a big way this year. They're already halfway to their losses. They're well over halfway to their losses that they had last year, the amount of losses at least. And they're looking like a fringe playoff team similar to the Leafs. And you're almost wondering, it's head-scratching right now, saying, wow, is this team that bad, or is the balance just not gone their way? So I hope you're hoping that that's a team that turns around if you're down in Florida cheering for the Lightning. And I, I don't and I'm not gonna say John Cooper's job's on the line because you don't just become a president's trophy winning coach and do so in such a convincing fashion that you get coach of the year for nothing. Because remember usually the coach of the year is team that was not supposed to be good but now is. Well, John Cooper had a good team with him in his lineup with Tampa Bay. They were good and they proved it. That's why he was a Jack Adams nominee. Similar to how maybe Joel Quinville, maybe the guy this year at Florida, if they can keep pace in the Atlantic Division. But right now, I did not expect. I expe- now it's funny. I remember predicting Florida ahead of Tampa, but like two and three, or maybe a, I did not expect them to be this far apart from each other at this point of the season. If anything, it would have been the other way around. Maybe Tampa would have been way ahead, and Florida would have caught up eventually. But you would not have expected the Bolts to start off this slow this season. Got a lot of time to figure it out, but we will see. A couple of lighter notes to talk about here before we close out today's episode of the Kiel Podcast. One, about Mark Borietsky being a hero. You guys hear about this? Mark Borietsky yesterday was out to lunch with some boys and then went some, did some shopping and decided that he was going to stop a robbery. So the story goes, I'm kind of paraphrasing, of course, because he was talking to the media today about it, because there was an initial report on Twitter, and everyone was losing their minds over it, and then Mark cleared the air here today. He was coming out of the baby store, apparently, and saw a guy kind of walking a little awkwardly with a bicycle, and then a van came on by and dropped a bag off for him, and then he was about to, he was going away with the bag, coming right at Borietsky, and Borietsky decided to, everyone thought he clotheslined him, but apparently gave him a big hug. Like he took him down with the left arm and dropped him down. And the guy ended up getting away or whatever, but didn't get away with the bag that had like the robbery money or whatever it was. Whatever he was robbing, whatever he was robbing, excuse me, 
did get away with it. The guy got away, but anyways, there was a bunch of stuff that was stolen, but the, the refs, or the refs, the refs, yeah. The referees are on site calling this robbery. No, the, the cops that came on by apparently had a good chuckle about it with him. And the fact that he had, like, apparently he was carrying his bags that he was shopping with while he was taking this guy down is, is kind of funny. So now Barietsky is apparently this hero across Sens Nation, across Canada for that matter. Everyone's loving him. Because remember, of course, he was the guy that did that awkward interview with Eugene Melnick before last season. So everyone was kind of making fun of him. But now he's clearly showing that he's a guy that can stop a robbery. So you don't want to mess with him now. And that that's just a funny story. You never really hear those. And I don't think in today's media it would have spread as fast as it did had it not been for social media. Because I think one person tweeted it, then another confirmed it. And after that, the story became... A thing of its own, like he clotheslined him, like he was JBL, giving him the clothesline from hell and stuff like that, that he knocked him clean off the bike and knocked him out senseless or stuff like that. And so Boryatsky had to like, all right, guys, it was, it's not none of this Paco Bill, Pecos Bill tall tale stuff. It's just, I just stopped a robbery. That's it. Being all Mr. Humble. And then, of course, last night, the Blackhawks in their game last night in their 4-0 loss to, uh, to the St. Louis Blues, they, there was a little bit of a funny funny story. So the Blues went up early. Corey Crawford was the goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks. Don't know if you guys have heard about this yet. Corey Crawford's been trying to fashion some new pads, and some guys will do it at the beginning of the season, or sometimes they, they may switch during the season. It all depends on how they're feeling. But he's been using... The new Bauer 2Xs, which are the new butterfly pads. So if you're a Leafs fan, that's what Frederick Anderson uses. And I believe Henrik Lundqvist used them as well. He's been rocking the all-black pads for the last few years, much to my dismay because I am a goal t- I'm a simple-minded goaltender. I like to use all-white pads, maybe a little color trim. But he's rocking them and wasn't playing well. Hasn't been playing well as of late himself. So what does he do? Mid-game, he decides... These pads are not good anymore. I'm going to go back to my old CCM pads because he'd been wearing CCM pads for a very long time now. He wore Reeboks when he first made a full-time jump into the NHL, but now he's been wearing CCMs for the last few years and decided to switch mid-game. And I can tell you, as a former goaltender, it is odd to change gear in mid-season, let alone in the middle of a game. He just straight up ripped the pads off, said, nope, I'm done with these. Kept the bow, kept the gloves, the blocker and glove on, kept those on. But the pads, he was just not feeling it. And I remember there was the famous Tim Thomas story where he changed pads. He was wearing Vaughn pads and changed to Warrior right before the playoffs in 2012, the now famous upset by the Capitals. In, that, in the seven-game series where Joel, Joel Ward had the game-winning goal. But I never seen, and I thought that was peculiar then, but changing your pads in the middle of the game, I mean, as a guy who was very superstitious, I actually had this conversation with my fiancé a couple days ago about how bad it was, about how I had to do the same routine, had to listen to the same music, same warm-up. I mean, whenever I saw, whenever... The fiance Kelly was at the games. I had to do the same handshake with her. It was to a T. And if it was to a T, I played well. And that's how this was my mindset. If I didn't 
if my superstitions were not performed to a T, my pregame routine, I was going to play poorly. And it was, and I, it would sit in my mind that I was going to play poorly, and then I played poorly. But if I knew I had it to a T, I was going to play a good game. And I remember those nights, too, because, well, yes, I remember those nights because there were not so many of them because somehow my superstition would get ruined, is what I say, but I probably just played poorly. And it was all me, but I, at that time, of course, it was all a mental game. And that's why you say goaltending's all between the ears. But I would never change my gear. Now, granted, yes, I did have backup gear before, but I would never just straight up change my gear in the middle of a game. I mean, I would change sticks sometimes. Then again, I'd probably have to because I snapped them over the crossbar or over my leg like Louis Domingue, or I would jump on them in the locker room or something. I, I don't know. I did something like that. That would be the only time I ever changed gear. I wouldn't change my leg pads. I wouldn't change my mask. I was, I, I'm that superstitious. I mean, okay, I don't say it's superstitious, but that's just normal. You don't just change your pads. Corey Crawford changed his goaltending pads. I, I can't say that it was happened in the old days because in the old days you had one set and used it for years. Archer Survey was famous for having the same leg pads since the 80s, and he was using them in the 2006 Olympics. The old white pads that had more puck marks on it than I did. And I remember I made a joke about my old white Arcades that I wore for a very long time. Said they looked like similar to him. But then again, I only used those for five years. Archer's Herb, I used them for 30. Those things were soft as pillows by the end of it all. But regardless of the fact, I had never seen a goaltender in the National Hockey League change pads in the middle of a game. I've seen tape jobs changed. I've seen, you know, maybe pants adjusted. Never seen a goaltender entirely change pads. And it's not like it's the same brand either or a similar model. No. These are Bowers to CCM. And if you're a goaltender, you know what I'm talking about. That is two different pads made by two very different companies. So, I mean, we'll see if Corey Crawford continues with the CCMs here. Maybe he'll go back to CCMs. He's been trying to go to Bauer. Maybe he'll be one of those oddballs that were that uses Bauer and Blocker, Bauer, Blocker, and Glove and then uses the CCM leg pads. I remember sometimes I would change gloves in games. I w- or not in games, but during the season. I'd, I changed my Reebok glove because it would close better when I had my first set of Arcady pads. But then uh, when I had my double double V-neck Arcady glove, my white one, I would, cha- I would sometimes use my single neck red, white, and blue one that I had when I was in high school. And I know I'm completely losing everyone here that's not a goaltending person, but I'm just going from experience here. You change them sometimes, but never in the middle of a game. It's a very peculiar incident that happened. I I don't want to say incident, but event that happened last night in Chicago. We'll see if Crawford ever pulls that again. And the Flyers just scored, so it's one to nothing least, which is probably a good time to close out this show. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you once again to Josh Tesler for joining our show to talk Leafs hockey. I'm sure he's doing well after that goal. Thank you guys once again for listening. Wherever you're listening to us on, whether it be SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Are we on iHeartRadio? I don't know if we're on iHeartRadio anymore. But nonetheless, thank you for listening to us on this episode of the Kill Podcast. Make sure you get involved in the conversation. Use the hashtag TKP, hashtag the Kill Podcast, at the Kill Podcast. Tell us what you think of today's episode. Tell us what you think about the Habs, the Wings, the Devils playing poor hockey. Tell us what you think about the new coach 
in Sheldon Keefe. Tell us what you think about the new coaching change in Calgary. Tell us what you think about a goaltender who decides to change his pads in the middle of a game. Use all those hashtags and tweet us. Let us know what your thoughts. Once again, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of the Keel Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye!